0: Well, hello and welcome to the Rugby Ruckus Tight Five. Normally the Tight Five live, not today, Morgz. We haven't had the chance to review what was an awful... Uh, result for Australia in Bledisloe 3. We've actually been accused by some of our Kiwi listeners of dodging the issue uh, of not getting into the game. I can assure you that wasn't the case. We always get into the games, uh, rain, hail or shine. Couldn't get to it until this week, so we decided to delay a little bit later in the week till the teams came out. But Morgs, first up, have you recovered, mate, after what was a Bledisloe
1: bashing? Well, I did spend 36 hours in the fetal position, but after that, I realised it was spring carnival week, Benny. We got through Derby Day and we had to get through (laughs) Cup Day and today's Oaks Day. So uh, I suppose we've got an excuse that we had other things to do, but uh, the world of rugby doesn't stop for anyone. Um, So at least I've had things to focus on apart from rugby. But now we get another test against, you guessed it, the All Blacks again this week. So important to see what we can learn from the week before and if and how we can turn it around.
2: Mate,
0: importantly, you mentioned the racing. I hope for those of you who are subscribers, you took my tip from our from our exclusive subscriber podcast last week. I tipped Colette in the Eagle and it got up there, pal. So uh, I, had a good, I had a good win on that last week. Um, look, uh, what are we going to get into today? I'll just throw up quickly for those watching on video um, – uh, we're going to talk about the blunders, Bashing first and foremost, go through what happened in that game. Morgs has got a coach's corner out of that. Uh, he's got a play that he wants to look at to understand exactly what was going on in that game. And as always, I think Morgs, you know, you've always got some points in in what's fixable. I hope for those for the Wallabies teams. We'll then go through the Wallabies team for this weekend and there is some, certainly some turkey, talking points in that, probably some turkey points in there as well if we're not careful, uh, and the All Blacks team as well. They've named a very different team with a number of debutants and a number of key changes as well. And we've got uh, the Triple Q, the quick quarantine questions with Noah Lolasio to finish us off. Uh, now, that one in particular, I wanted to make sure we got in there because he had a tough debut, the kid, but I hope he's coming back from that and I hope we're going to see him uh, get on the field this weekend, albeit off the bench. Uh, before we do that, though, quickly, uh, Morgs. of course, uh, let me just throw a, a quick promotion in for the rugbyruckers.com shop. I've put up the You Need a Body of Work shirt. We absolutely see, need to see some of these wallabies get a body of work together, Morgs. You always talk about seeing players uh, get together that, peer, that body work over time. We want to see more of that from them this weekend. And finally, of course, the rugbyruckers.com newsletter. I promote it every week. The numbers have been growing exponentially. We love uh, putting it together each week. We love he- hearing some feedback from some of those people who've signed up. I'll quickly run across the bottom of our video screen uh, some of the names of those the, the top supporters that we have, uh, and we really do appreciate uh, their support. But, Morgs, last week uh, I analysed a big week on and off the field. You analysed the blood is low. Uh, we even had some reader analysis uh, from uh, from Connor and one of our readers, on, on why the All Blacks aren't as strong as they they have been in the past, which didn't, uh, didn't look great on Saturday, but he had some really good points in that. Uh, news headlines wrapped up, as usual, and rumours of the week. And there's our second group of... Um, of uh, uh, super supporters as well, also up on our video screen. So thanks to those guys. Mork's. It was not by any means a game uh, that we wanted to see. It was not by any means a game that put us put a lot of faith in the Wallaby squad and the way that Dave Rennie's coming together. Dave Rennie's comments afterwards talked about we're five or six weeks into a four-year campaign. May well be the case, but I think Wallabies fans are a bit sick and tired of hearing that over the last probably 18 years about how they're they're building towards something. As accurate as it may be, Morgz, what did you think of the Wallabies' performance overall, mate? How disappointed should we be?
1: We should be very disappointed with the result and things like that, but there there are mitigating circumstances to all those sorts of things. And Dave Rennie, you know, he is five or six weeks into a four-year campaign, but as you mentioned, Wallaby supporters are 18 years into a five-year plan seems like we've had four-year you know, four cycles or whatever for a decade and a half. So uh, you can understand that the, you know, the, the patience of the Wallaby supporter is a lot less than that of the, the new coach coming in. Uh, in saying that, at the end of a World Cup cycle when players migrate out of the system that we have here in Australia and these young kids come in, we, we probably didn't manage that transition very well. And, and added onto that were players like the Adam Coleman's, the Isaac Rodders, guys like that, who we would not have assumed would, wouldn't be here. And then also we pay the price for, for I suppose, a, a, a mini generation of players of the ilk of a Jake McIntyre and a Sam Green, who should right now, for example, be pushing through into a Wallaby squad. But when, when positions were occupied by the Foley's and Coopers and Christian Leal which is fine, um, those guys weren't held... Uh, in that second tier of tens at given opportunity, you know, a Mac Mason, this is now when we should have seen a Mac Mason in the Wallaby squad, not guys that have been thrown in first year. Um is is uh, Will Harrison and Noel Ollise are more talented than Mac Mason? Probably not at the same stage of their development. So the you know as a, as a as almost an accident of of timing, these guys are being thrust through when, when we've lost, say, three of three of the four core Super Rugby teams previous to this year lost their mainstay number 10s. Obviously, Quaid had come in and out and Christian had those bits and pieces. But we just haven't managed the transition and the succession planning of our lists at Super Rugby level. And that's why these guys get thrown into the world. And it is exciting to get young, you know, um, new players who are obviously highly talented. But on the weekend, we saw the difference between seasoned professionals and, and young, talented players.
0: But I think I think that's probably the key point for me. And like, if you want to talk about mitigating circumstances for Australia, and it's it's disappointing to do it because you know we want to see better than what we saw. I saw Jeff Wilson, I think, on uh, on Sky Sports NZ saying they would no pride in the jersey. I don't believe that at all. I think this was just a team that that really just got a touch up. The All Blacks got everything right. And I think it all it all comes around that ten jersey for me. We lost before the game. We lost two of our most senior guys who would have been the first and second pick for that ten jersey. We lost Matt Tamua for some time. We lost James O'Connor for clearly now a couple of games. He's not being picked for this weekend. So we lost a couple of critical guys in a team made up of some young guys and some older guys. We put a rookie 10 and a rookie 12, and they were up against two extremely polished number 10s, two of the best in the world, in Barrett and Mwanga. And we had a wet, slippery night. And what we saw was we saw a game which was absolutely beautifully controlled by both Moanga and Barrett. The way they, they moved around the park, off the back of their their forward dominance, the, the, the use of the boot, they absolutely just – played the game beautifully, the way you want to see a game managed at international t- test level. And we saw a, a rookie team that didn't do that. We saw signs in Bledisloe too that the kicking game under pressure was a problem, even with James O'Connor there. Then we put a young bloke in there, Simone alongside, and they d- they just didn't handle it. How important, Morgz, is that? And not to put all the pressure on Alessia, but look, that's the position he's going to play. That's the position, you know, he's going to be blooded in, he's going to have to get better out over time to, to, to be a test player. But how much of it do you think was that, uh, that 10... Rookie 10 versus two guys who, who were, you know, sitting in a very comfortable position in a great time.
1: Yeah, well, we had a little bit of issues sort of at set piece and some of our multi-phase play, which makes it harder for a 10. In the end, we need a 10 to direct us around the park. Um, and also, you, you look at O'Connor saying say in the first game, he had to Maronis outside as well. So that 10-12 partnership um, is an important one to complement each other. Uh, look, there's a, there's a decent amount of responsibility there at number 10. The truth of the matter is Australia does not play well in the wet. haven't played well in the wet for 20-odd years. Um, we don't like doing it. It doesn't suit the way we try and play the game. Um, and and, we, and the weekend showed, you know, when, when commentators and supporters are bemoaning the fact that the Wallabies are kicking the ball too much and they kicked it half as much as the All Blacks. And I think we've, we've, we've said ad nauseum on this show. Uh, that it's not the, the amount of kicking, it's the manner, it's the when, it's the why, it's the how. Uh, and, and we'll talk about it in a second and we'll see some footage probably. But um, but it's very much about how that kicking opportunity is managed in the conditions. And the Wallabies did that really poorly. And then, then you know, after the elastic's been broken on the scoreboard, you are forced to chase the game in the second half, which makes mm. it even worse. It makes it even worse. Uh, when you're trying to, you know, yes, we forced offloads in the first half, but we almost had to double down trying to come back from 26 nothing. Um, so it made it look even worse. Yeah,
0: and I think the, the, the probably the one decision that I saw that was a real concern for me, and I saw it talked about it a bit afterwards, was the the, the placement of Lolasio at at fullback from the kickoff. So in the defensive line, he wasn't there. I and mean, this is a kid who, as far as I'm aware, hasn't played fullback. I don't know his background, but he certainly hasn't played it uh, for the Brumbies. But so all of a sudden. I'm really interested, Morton. in your thoughts on what that does to the psyche of a player because there's a couple of things in here for me. You know, when you bring in a guy five 5'8", and you say to him but you're not going to defend at 5'8", I, I immediately think that's a shot to the guy's psyche. I don't care who you are, but I think that's immediately saying, we don't think you're up to a part of this game. We're going to hide you. Now, that happens in footy, it does, but when you're a young bloke coming in, I'm concerned about that because to flip it the other way a little bit, I was a bit like I was looking at it going, why on earth is he kicking for the line? Why is Lallana kicking for the line when we've got guys with a bigger boot? When we've got guys who could who could get more yards? Um, why is he doing the line kicks? And I thought, well, maybe that's because that's part of the five eight responsibilities. And they want him to to control that part of the game. But if that's the case, why hide him? That seemed very strange to me, Morks, particularly when you come up against such a well drilled All black side who's going to look to unpick you. Any changes you make in where players move are going to be hard to get used to at any sort of speed. And if that's your debut. That's not what you want happening to yourself, surely.
1: Well, truthfully, Benny, I think there's a little bit of hyperbole there from you, and I wouldn't mind you getting at the bullshit meter. Whoa. Do, you get it, do you want to get it out? No, I'm not getting it out. Someone oh, to it. Through. Oh. So, uh, so explain to me uh, where Noel, Noel Olesea was playing fullback. He didn't play Sorry, fullback on the- first place. So, when I, I, I,
0: you tell me what you saw because what I saw, and I'm sitting in the stands here, up in the stands watching, and I saw him in the back of the field many times when the All Blacks had the ball. So, yeah, so he, he's he so he's, he's back and he's playing he blind
1: winger. He, he played blind winger off line outs, yeah, and he defended mostly in the front line off scrum when he had to. Uh, right. and on kicks and kick returns, he stayed in the backfield as all tens do. He spent a similar amount of time in the backfield to a Bernard Foley or a James O'Connor, slightly more because he played blind winger. He did not defend at fullback ever. Okay. So, so, you know... He just got caught in that blind position. Okay. you yeah,
0: got me on some, some semantics there,
1: mate. I, oh, I apologise yeah. for you. And then at the start of the game, you, the start of the show, sorry, started, you said, uh, you know, he's, he has to have responsibility for kicking because he's 10. Well, is he either responsible for kicking or not? If you're responsible for kicking, then you kick for the line. Reese Hodge wasn't out there. He was probably the one with the significant difference in kick length. Banks is probably second. He wasn't out there. And hale petty geez, if he kicks at two metres further, I'll, I'll give you that. So okay. let's not let's not I got that. let's not let the truth get in the way of you, <laughs> your blow up. But in saying that they hit him on the blind wing in the line out. And it's what they've done with many 10s previously under Nathan Gray as a defensive coach. Uh, previously, they'd often put Bernard Foley or the Wallaby 10 in the tram tracks. Very similar way of doing it there. A lot of it was about getting a bit more starch. Did you notice where Richie Mowanga was defending off some scrums? Richie Mowanga does go back as well. He was defending at 13. Was he? Yeah, so, so, so what do you think, think that that, So you, so when Ian Foster says to Richie Moonga, Richie, a bit like you do at the Crusaders when they defend you at thirteen, does it look like it had a put a hit into his confidence? Because he looked pretty <laughs> he looked pretty confident to me. So look, yeah, we can we can try and overanalyze it. Look, Noah didn't play well. This was a huge step up for Noah. He was on debu against a brilliant all Blacks team in great conditions that his Wallaby counterparts and himself didn't handle well. He didn't do particularly well defensively or in terms of covering space in the back three, but neither did the other back three as well. What, what New Zealand did really well, and I'll preface a little bit of what we're going to talk about in Coach's Corner, but what they did really well was kick long and to the corners, and they kicked crossfield kicks to wingers, including especially Geordie Barrett, and also you know, I think we said in the newsletter, Benny, that if Dane Coles is, is roving out wide, I was yeah. obviously on the sideline with, with Network 10. He was out in the tram tracks waiting for cross kicks. That's how much fun he was having. So, what they did was they did cross kicks earlier, they kicked long early. And then what happened? Geez, there you go. Look, you could have got <laughs> photo, <laughs> surely. I was ready
0: for you. I was ready for
1: you. Uh, uh, right. That's a picture of Morgan on the Shelsea yeah. sideline. So, I thought we'd give a so, mention. There you go. Yeah, nice. Um, <laughs> that's a, yeah, that was good. I lost my train of thought now. I was dazzled by my <laughs> You were talking about um, in the newsletter, you said Dane us
0: yeah, out the fifth
1: day. Yeah, right, so, so, yeah, so what they, did was they, what, they, what they did was they they manipulated the space in the backfield excellently well. And they did it too good. They were too good for Korobiti, Dalgunia, Halepetti and Lollas there. It wasn't just him alone. Uh, so what happened by the time, you know, the back end of, of the first half when they, they really – uh on some of their short kicking game was because they'd pushed the backfield right back to try and cover the spaces and they'd pushed the wingers wide to cover the cross kicks um so a a robot, mate mate it was just it, you know it, is, it was just manipulation you you play shallow we kick long you tighten up we'll kick to the the cross kicks and they were calling it and staying there consistently obviously it's easier for me being able to see the whole field down at down at, uh, ground level But I really noticed that And one are obviously Defending at 13 That was also about Them manipulating the field So you have a bit of starch In the 10-12 channel And it leaves Your back three with that continuity that they normally do, so they, I would say the All Blacks managed the way they they move their defensive team around as well, and also the the, the situations that Noah Oliseo individually found himself in the back end of the first half were very much because of the wonderful manipulation of spaces and use of kicking game by the All Blacks. So I don't think we just go Noah, you shouldn't be in the backfield, you're rubbish. I think they were just too good for us collectively. Thank you sir.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's the point, too, is that you, you talk about the way they manipulated us around the game with the kicking game. They could do that as well because they were winning the physical battle, too. I mean, the, the, you, I saw a couple of different um, stories written giving ratings to the Wallabies and no one got above about a five and a half, and that was probably about right. There wasn't anyone you could look at in that game, you know, a runner here from there here, there from Patea. but there wasn't really anyone you could look at and go, they had a good game, they had a game, they had an influential game. It was all about the All Blacks doing almost what they wanted to start to finish, and it, for a while, there, I thought it was going to blow out. They come out after halftime and kept it there. And I was pleased to see Dave Rennie kept the faith with Olusio and Simone and a few others at halftime because you don't want a debut where you get hooked at halftime. You want to say, right, you know, it's a baptism of fire, but have a go. They had a good 20-minute period there where they were in it. They scored a try, but really uh, everything got unpicked. How how much more do you think that could start to get unpicked from things like, you know, a few of those... In the first ten or fifteen minutes, Dangunu takes the legs out, gets a yellow card, and I think that, I think that was a fair yellow card. Same Kane probably should have got one too because he came through and took the legs out at the same time um, on his own player. But you know, how did how much does it rattle a team when they try a few things early in the way it doesn't come off? They they look like they were pushing passes a bit much and they just couldn't recover from that.
1: It was a lot of things. It's interesting that uh, the noises coming out of the Wallaby camp through the week was about accuracy and precision, and it was about a much better proactive kicking game. And then, funnily enough, they identified exactly what they needed to do. They just weren't good enough or, or couldn't keep their composure and do it out on the field. And And that's partly their own fault and partly the great pressure that the All Blacks were able to put them under. There was a lot of panic very early the offloads out wide, getting tackled into touch when you should be stepping off your outside foot. Um, You know, a bit of pragmatism with the conditions and not pushing short passes and being aware of that and then proactively kicking the ball. So there were lots of little things that added up to the fact that the Wallabies were doing almost the opposite of what they probably or they definitely needed to do in in the first 20 to 30 minutes of a Bledisloe game in the wet when when you know that the key with the All Blacks is to not let them break the elastic not let them turn it into a game of touch footy super rugby almost where a guy like Richie Moonga looks really comfortable you want pressure mm-hmm you want to be able to make it some sort of arm wrestle for a while just to keep the teams close together. And what was happening at halftime, the All Blacks, they were breathing pretty easily with it. You know, they put 26 points on in 40 minutes. So in terms of how you start, they would have talked all week about, okay, we're going to kick to Caleb Clark, we're going to tackle him, we're going to put him on the ground. And you know, in the first couple of minutes, straight away, bang, there's a lack of discipline. Then they're just on the back foot from there and probably never arrested that momentum
0: yeah and a couple of times it it just looked it looked like the heads were down and it just looked like they weren't their their line wasn't you know intact it didn't show any sort of pressure it didn't really get into it too much Moggs, let's go to coach's corner because i think what we'll do is we'll then bleed into about the wallabies and all blacks team for this week coming off some of what we saw last week so coach's corner i'll get the clip up you tell me what you're going to show me
1: Yes, yeah, so obviously we have referenced uh, some of the kicking and the varied kicking that the, the All Blacks came up with. This was really an illustration of, one, exactly where the Wallabies need to get to. When you're going to be playing four weekends of Test Rugby in November, year in, year eight, once we get back to normalcy. When you're going to be playing rugby championships uh, in the wet in New Zealand, and you're going to need to go there at some stage and win a game to win a Bledisloe, or to keep Bledisloe's alive, if you come across wet tracks wherever it is. You need to be able to, one, be set up to oblige the opposition to cover lots and lots of spaces in depth and width on the field, which is not something we did well enough. I referenced the cross kicks. I referenced kicking deep. Um, so what you know, in terms of context, this is the back end of the half. The All Blacks had kicked a lot. They'd kicked long. They'd kicked contestable. They'd kicked cross kicks. And what happens here is Ready the Wallabies. Yeah, the Wallabies turn the ball over. Yep.
0: Right. So there was a there was a bomb downfield. Yeah. The Lolloseio. Drops, I'll just move through that, and I'll get yeah, us down so, to here. There's a turnover.
1: So the Wallabies go right. So you see here, Hala Petty, Dalgunu, Pataya, and Nick White are all engaged in this attack, and Noel Olusio here is at 10. The ball gets turned over, and Noel Olusio, as a 10, should do when, if you pause it there, Benny. Okay, so right now, occupied around the ball and on the blind side, are Dawgunu, Petty, Dalgunu, Jordan Pataya makes the tackle, and Nick White is there. Okay, so Noel Alessio does what he has to do. He drops into the backfield to cover because he sees his right winger and his fullback and his nine are all in that occupied in that defensive line and Korobedi is on the far left wing. So he goes back, which is exactly what he needs to do as a covering 10. Doesn't mean he's playing fullback. We play it on. What the Wallabies really need to do here is to try and get some of these backs to get away from being jammed in here, Nick White needs to try and get out of this defensive line into the covering role. And look where they go. They see Nick White has been engaged in that defensive one and they go exactly where a nine should cover. That's as simple as what that play is. They saw that Nick White was, was caught three phases in a row in the defensive line on the blind side. There was no chip cover. If you look in behind here, that's exactly where the space is. You guaranteed it's Mawanga that calls this, not Barrett that does it off his own bat. And then that's it. With with the Wallabies having so many of their backs engaged and important outside backs engaged in the far 15, that's as simple as that play is. That play is... Richie Moonga and Bowden Barrett communicating with each other to identify the space. On the back of that is an excellently excellently executed kick, a good kick chase, and that's it. And you look at the way that Marika Corribiti and Noah Lollis if you want to have another quick look at it, in terms of managing a line break when you're in trouble, those two don't talk to each other. So if you push it through and we see the chip, you see how... We've talked about Barrett and Mawanga working together. Watch Marika and Noah work independently of each other. They almost cross. Marika covers across to go after Mawanga, and and Noah goes the other way. So when you're breached, it's really important for guys in the backfield to work together. Now, that points to the inexperience to a certain degree of Noah and in the backfield. But knowing that as a 10, you spend a lot of time right here. Noah's got to either call Marika out and say, I've got Richie, or go the other way with him. Here he takes no one. Look, look, they like crisscross here when they should be trying to pick up one each and close it down.
0: Yeah, but it wasn't. Uh, it was wasn't good. It really put a, a dagger into the Wallabies at that stage. And I just have a little bit of sour grapes to get us uh, through the moment. And, and uh, apologies to the Kiwis before I do that. But if you watch this play again, you just watch Goodhue comes through and absolutely takes out Lallanao trying to catch the ball. He's nowhere near the ball. Goodhue absolutely wipes out Lallanao's attempt to take it. Makes no attempt to catch the ball. That's not called. Cool. And if you roll it on. Here, watch our old mate Sam Kane go straight in the side and get on the ball, slow it down, and there's no penalty there. That's the referee's eyes looking at the ball there. No calls. Anyway,
1: I just White, had to White get Lock, And then Whitelock in an offside position taking out the nine. Anyway, that's but right, what, that's I, right. what I really wanted to illustrate there was, you know, that is a brilliant test try, but it is, it is almost maddeningly simple. They saw that some of the people that are, are charged with occupying spaces and defending spaces, especially off turnover and in backfield, were involved in the play, stuck on the blind side, and they kicked the ball to that space. And from there, their individual skills and ability there was able to finish off the line break. So, you know, we, we, we want to congratulate the All Blacks for just an excellently played game in the wet. They are far too superior. But... There's lots of basic things that Wallabies can take out of that and say, yeah, well, we need to do exactly the same. And two, if we can defend, you know, I think Blederslow one, we talked about defending efficiently, Benny. Blederslow two, we talked about defending efficiently. There, they needed to find a way to get Nick White back out of that. So you see a first up missed tackle means Nick White has to make a covering tackle as opposed to being able to drop back into that covering line to watch for the chip. Those, all those things add up in, into tries and line breaks.
0: Man, and I, I hate to, to push it again, but in our newsletter you make these points. And for those of you who want to read great uh, insight from Morgs ahead of the games, uh, get the newsletter because Morgs made exactly this point about those first-up tackles and the impact it has on creating those uh, uh, issues afterwards. I think one of the um, one of the things that I take from what you said there, Morgs, which is really really key too, is uh, is how constructed that was by the All Blacks over time that try the way they'd move the Wallabies around. During the game, and then they've created that opportunity, which actually is interesting because I uh, there was uh, I, I I found out on Twitter, and I went and watched uh, Nick White's halftime interview as he left the field on Fox Sports, um, and he just said he was he was clearly quite frustrated, he, and he said something like along the lines of, um, uh, "It's all our own uh, mistakes," um, you know, you know, full credit to them, whatever, but you know. They're not doing a lot. And it was quite like, it's the kind of things you, you feel as a fan, but then when you stop and look and you, and you go through it like this, you think, well, mate, no, actually, they actually they pushed you around the park and, and made that, created that opportunity. And I don't think Phil Kern said to him, mate, 67% possession, and uh, Nick Whitewood said thanks and walked off. So it was, pretty, it was a pretty short interview. Channel 10s were better, mate, clearly, with, with
1: your work well, on the sideline. I, I, I don't know how you saw the Fox interview if you're watching Network 10. Mate, I, just saw I was at the game, remember? I said when well, I came oh, home, no. and Are I shared it on like Twitter. Bramie? Yeah, well, why don't you come home and watch Channel 10? <laughs> what are you
0: doing, mate? Well, that's what do you think i got the screenshot of you with your mouth open, mate, Hey, yeah,
1: Of course I watched on. it. Okay, just All checking. Right,
0: let's get into the Wallabies oh, team mate, for this I week. I've always
1: I mean. read your articles when you wrote for the Herald, so...
0: Yeah, thanks, mate. You're, you're,
1: sorry, you're, a, mate. Prince, you're a prince of my men. <laughs>
0: <laughs> mate, uh, let's talk about uh, the Wallabies for this week. And, and in the context for this, too, I want to talk a little bit about Dave Rennie and the way he's gone for, through the first three games into his fourth. It's a new team, new coach all of those kinds of things, but he has not been afraid to wield the knife, mate. And, and I think w- one of my questions here, Morgs, or one of my thoughts is, what are we seeing here from Dave Rennie? Are we seeing a guy who came in on a hiding to nothing in a COVID year and wanted to blood as many blokes as he could and do the best he could while while getting a bit out of it, more than just thinking about, i got to win these games? Because he certainly has, has shown a ruthlessness in taking guys out of the 23 entirely, not just out of, the tw- out of the 15, but out of the 23. He has moved blokes in and out, and he's done it again this week. The Wallabies team for this week, we've got Tom Banks in at 15. We've got Tom Wright debuting on the wing. Patea and Paisami in the middle there. Simone goes completely out. Korobiti stays on the wing there, so Daigunu's paid the price. Reese Hodge is a makeshift number 10 at best. So Lovacea goes back to the bench. Hodge has played a bit of 10, but let's be frank, he's not a 10, and I think you've said this before, mate. Nick White keeps his spot. Harry Wilson, Hooper. Lachlan Swinton comes straight into the 15, not you know—not the bench, straight into the 15 to bring a bit of grunt and muscle. I'm pleased to see that. I'm not entirely sure he's up to test it yet, so he's got to show us that. Philip, Rob Simmons, Lukaan loto he got injured, went out. Alan Otoa, Payan Gramosa and Slipper stay there. And on the bench as well, Angus Bell is going to get his go. Ned Hattigan goes back there. Liam Wright's back in. Uh, and Dungun, who stays in the 23. Look, how do you read the changes that Rennie has made? Uh, as I said, just he hacks away. He's not afraid to do it.
1: Well, mate, I'll tell you what, if I was in the Wallaby squad, it would be like the Grim Reaper walking towards you on a on a Tuesday <laughs> or a Wednesday when you're trying to work out what the team is. If, if, if the coach comes and shakes your hand or says, hello to you, I'd be running the other way. You know, he can't <laughs> find you if he can't find you. <laughs> I'd be, I know what he's drinking up as on Halloween, that's for sure. Um that's a lot of changes and look, he's justified in making changes by the performance that was put out on the weekend. But I think, you know, we've, we've discussed a lot and that often these sorts of changes are counterproductive, uh, which means that, that if, if he's making these changes to blood guys and to, to give guys opportunities and he's just sort of gone, well, the blood is over. He, he, maybe he's given up the tri-nations to a certain degree as well. Um, and he just wants to blood guys and, and see and see what they've got. Tom Wright, happy to see that. You know, it's a guy that deserves an opportunity. Look, Reese here's the truth about Reese Hodge. He's an excellent footballer, but of all the double digit jerseys, 10's his worst position. Mm. He's a better center, 12, 13. He's a better fullback, he is a fullback. And he's a better makeshift winger than he is a 10. Mm. Simple as that. He can kick and he can tackle and he's got a short passing game. But that's not all there is to being a ten, um, and and he will, he, you know, he'll tackle well. He'll he'll help it be a close game. Hopefully, he kicks first phase proactively. He's got a couple of steps to kick. It's not like he's used to kicking under pressure, uh, so it'll be kicking early in the tackle count or kicking off a set position. It won't be, you know, lots of a myriad of kicks in in the middle of plays. Um, and look, it's it's a different attacking setup to an O'Connor or a Noel O'Lisseyo. With, with O'Connor out, I would have been tempted to stick with the kid, but maybe they want to give him the opportunity to just take a bit of pressure off and just enjoy the last 20 minutes and come on and have a crack. I can understand that. So Mono, bang, gone straight away. Uh, didn't see any any injury announcement there. Um, so, so these ones, and that, that was probably a 50-50 call last week. Do you pick Hunter and Pattaya anyway? So we'll cop that one. Mm. Swinton's the interesting one. I, I went and watched uh, the... The, the Aussie invitation Argentina Argentina yeah. last week. And he was, was as close to best on ground as there is, really. Um, he he was excellent. Uh, so um, that's probably why he's in there. I know he's been abrasive at training and those sorts of things. And the quote was, he, he goes at 100% when it's 60%. Well, some coaches hate that and some like it. So obviously Dave Rennie likes that. Um, so he'll well, be great.
0: Definitely, definitely said, you know, form, 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 form. He's talked about form yeah. on the training paddock as influences. He said Ned Hannigan. Yeah, I don't think yeah. we talked about form on the training paddock. So if Swinton's doing that against the Argies, if he's ready to rip in, we certainly could do with a bit more muscle on the park, mate.
1: Yeah, well, you know, that's the thing. That the results justify the changes. As I said, it's, it's, it's a waiting game to see if it's helpful or unhelpful. Yeah. Hmm. Well mate, I
0: tell you what, it's uh, it's certainly uh, you know coming off a loss like that. I suppose the good news is it's it's bright and sunny up in uh, in Brisbane. It's it's twenty eight thirty degrees each day, and it looks like it'll be a nice dry track for them. So that will make a difference. But I tell you what, that amount of change uh, would have Ben Darwin I think rolling around uh, in, in with concern from his house down in Melbourne because there's just too many guys there that really uh, are stepping into unaccustomed roles or first roles debutantes. Uh, they're going to have to really step up. Mate, let's look at the All Blacks team they're, they're facing because there are plenty of changes there, as well as, uh, you know, sorry, debutantes, as well as positional changes. Uh, Jordie Barrett back to 15, probably where he should have been. You know, as much as Mohanga was fanta- fantastic last week, I actually think with Bowden at 10 and Jordie at 15, this side might be a little bit better than when they play uh, Mohanga at 10 and Jordie at 15. I know I'll get I'll get some kickings from some of our New Zealand fans uh, because of that. But Jordie goes back to 15. Reese comes in on the wing. Anton Leonard brown stays at 13. Lamapi at 12. He's going to have be running hard and straight for them, of course. Iwani in on the wing. Bowden at 10. TJ at 9. Artie comes back, which is a big lift for them as well. Sam Kane. Akira Iwani gets his start. we have talked about Akira Iwani before. I've loved his work in a Super Rugby. I've had chats with guys in New Zealand about how he hasn't quite cracked the All Blacks before. And he even there's been, there was a story about how he wanted to quit the game um, because he wasn't, I think, getting picked at that top level. And there was a belief that maybe he just didn't quite have the work rate but he's here now, and I think he's an exceptionally good footballer. He'll be one to watch. Scott Barrett comes into the second row, which is not unsurprising with his his previous record. Uh, and Cody Taylor steps in at hooker. A couple of guys on the bench through. Asafa Amu has been on the fringe for a while. He looks like a great player. Uh, Cullen Grace is in there. Damian McKenzie's back. And Will Jordan gets his chance, speaking of form, another player who was in excellent form uh, in the Super Rugby season. Morgs, how do you see this all-black side uh, who've made a number of changes And any of those debutants, you like the look of?
1: Well, it's a huge amount of changes for for a test football team, and the funny thing is that you look at the individuals brought in there; they're just amazing footballers, and that's that's the conveyor belt of depth. You know, if if say for example last week if it was Mawanga and uh, and Goodhue that were injured, this is what we would have seen. Uh, a little bit different to what the Wallabies were forced to bring in, in in terms of experience. Now they get a bit of breathing space and an opportunity with the Bledisloe sewn up and the first game of the Tri-Nations one to blood these guys. Now, what will happen here is there is disruption. So it won't be as, as, as you know, as well-oiled a machine as it normally is. Uh, but the quality of the individuals in there will be helpful. And Kiriwani, I think we've all waited to see him unleashed in test football. I think I watched him play the French uh, 15 just under a couple of years ago. Um, and, you know, it's a guy ready for test football, just needed to to make sure his body was ready for it and go toe-to-toe with some of the the great back rowers they've had over time. It's a it's a patience game sometimes in New Zealand, waiting for your turn. Uh, there's quality players all across the park there. Excited to see Will Jordan get some game time as well. I think he'll get some solid minutes as well. Uh, be good to see him out there. He was form outside back in super rugby he was a brilliant player to watch and another exciting addition to that list of all black players this will be interesting in terms of the error rate and the quality of possession and, and footy that's played with the huge amount of changes that have been made by both sides uh, but that that all blacks team oozes quality and class and players that were in form in super rugby Aotearoa.
0: But and that's one of the things that you can really see about the absolute strength of this uh of this uh, all blacks team is Um, they uncover a bloke like Caleb Clark, and then they give him a rest for a Bledisloe Cup game because they have got enough blokes that can come in. I mean, Australia uncovers a bloke like Caleb Clark, like our Jordan Patel. We want him on the park every single game, every chance we can get, uh, but they're quite comfortable to rotate him out because they do have those types of guys coming in. Morks, what do you think um, we'll see? well, Well, it's clearly going to be a different game because it'll be a dry track, but what do you think these two teams will try to do in this game? The Wallabies, of course um Reece Hodge as a player very different obviously to Noah to Noah Lolocio, to James O'Connor to Matt Tamua uh, it puts me in the frame of mind of you know some of the conversations you and I have had over the last year or more that you know Reece Hodge James O'Connor Matt Tamua all three of those guys you've on this podcast said they're not genuine tens or, or they're not they're not actual tens you know they they're better in other parts of the field and it just goes to show that you talked about that gap that we've had in players coming through. We're filling another gap here, Morge. What do you think will be different when we fill that gap with Research?
1: Hodge? Yeah, well, as we reference, we chew up our tens and we spit them out of our systems. Um, look, Hodge will be direct. The Wallabies will play direct. They'll have to. Um, where Swinton points to the same thing. That's a physical looking back row. Uh, so I see them being exactly that. Uh, this is an opportunity for the Wallabies to just go straight and through and, and not try and go wide to wide. Originally, try and play it quite tight through the middle, 10-channel, see how we go there, try and play front foot ball. Dry track means, you know, that there's opportunity to use the ball, but I can't see us going wide to wide with the cattle we have at 10-12, the ability to shift it. Remembering Paisami is a direct straight runner, not a long passing game. Hodges has got a good short passing game, not a long passing game. I think this will this could very much be direct. Wallaby's direct, which sets us up well to defend. I think this will be a game about making it a tight game. And then if we if we need to, the Cavalry can come on late. You see some of the firepower off the bench there. Uh, although Lucio can have a really different role where if it's a tight game with 20 to go, he can come on and just have a crack without a ridiculous amount of pressure. Um, so that will be interesting to see. Dalgunu back to the bench. He should get some time late. So there's some game breakers on the bench. Chupo. Um, and, and Tanley other there as well, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh so, so that'll that'll be that'll be probably the way the Wallabies want to see it go, whether it comes off, whether it's there's enough deception and threats there to be able to go through the all blacks remains to be seen. They've stiffened up their midfield with Laomabi Barrett's an excellent defender, uh, probably better defender than than, than Moanga. Uh, Perinara mm. always performs well off the off the bench in that back row. He is 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 probably not a better back row than last week, but it's 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 equal easily with Artie Sevilla there in the much awaited Akiruani.
0: But I'll call it. I think I think it is better. I think with Artie Sevilla in there, I think Akiruani brings you know almost as much as a Satu and Frizell um, in a lot of ways. So I, I I think you know the All Blacks have built into this into this series and they and they're looking uh, they're looking very strong. Um, Morks, uh, look. The Wallabies need to to show they're in this. Like, I don't think we expect them to win because of, you know, the way they've been going, the changes they've been making, what they've been having to deal with, but they need to show they're in this, don't they?
1: Yeah, they do. That's what we expect, a reaction. Um, You know, these sorts of games, the the real blowout bad games uh, can be called aberrations if you bounce back straight away. Uh, We've talked about sort of less than 20 being the magic number. If you want to beat the All Blacks, we did a much improved defensive effort. They need to score at least, you know, restricted to at least half the points they were able to score last week. Uh, And Hodge being there to stiffen up the defensive line, possibly play a bit more pragmatic football, play it down the other end, but also be very direct, very hard at inside shoulders, trying to flood through the middle of the All Blacks, that may be the way to do it to keep the game tight. And maybe it is a case of not wanting to get beat by 40 but wanting to lose by 7 to 10. And if we get that close, if the Wallabies get that close, then an opportunity to pull one out of the fire. Uh, that mm. that that approach, and, and look, the more I look at it, the more I see a plan for the first 60 and a plan for the last 20 if the game's on the line.
0: Mate, right, a couple of things that I just want to see. I want to see Sweet and stay on there. I don't want to see any yellow cards. He could he could see the red mist the way that he goes. He he was lucky not to get a couple of cards cards late in the uh the Waratars, uh, uh, season. And Rhys Hodge, I hope he doesn't take too long to wind up with his kicks. I worry he might get charged down. He gets such a big boot onto it, but he does take a little bit to wind up. So I think they'll be trying to put some pressure on him, particularly if he's going to be. Getting those back three back, so maybe maybe with the boot, the size of the boot he's got, he'll he'll force the uh, the All Blacks back three to give us a little bit more space around the park and see what we can do there. Looks let's uh, let's go to um, our quick quarantine questions uh, with Noel Lallana. And as I said, I was really pleased that we spoke to this kid. I hope that we see a lot more of him in the Wallabies jersey. I'm pleased he's still in the 23 this week. I'm pleased he didn't go out the door with Simone um, because. You know, he is a talented kid. He's got a lot to offer. And he did step into one of the more difficult games of test rugby that you will ever play in your career uh, for his first up game. So no pressure on the kid. But, mate, you had a good chat to him. He's a good kid, isn't
1: he? Yeah, he is. And he's a, he's a mercurial talent that just needs time and patience. Hopefully the day-in, day-out training at the Wallabies will help him get better and better. It wasn't the perfect taboo he would have dreamed about, but there'll be many more test matches for Noel Alosio to play well.
0: Well, mate, let's have a listen to Noah now uh, and you. Unsurprisingly, for regular listeners, Morgs is going to cover off for KFC again because, uh, you know, for some reason, he's just got this connection, KFC connection. He loves to talk KFC with the players. Um, We need a KFC sponsor for the show. Um, But after that, we'll come back and Morgs will talk briefly about the broadcast stuff because another story came out today saying that Fox Sports is no longer going... And to be the broadcaster of Rugby Union, Channel Nine or Nine Entertainment Australia, and that is massive news. So, after you talk to Noah, we'll come back and have a
2: quick chat about that.
1: Great to have Noah Lollose, CEO jump on for a chat. Noah, thanks for joining us, mate.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Mate, just have a quick chat about game day. What do you like on game day? You get a bit revved up throughout the day, or you're pretty chilled?
2: Um to be honest, I'm I'm pretty sleepy, hey. Like um I always wake up just feeling like oh the last thing I want to do is play when I wake up in the morning. Um I like obviously go out to have breaky and stuff and then I come back and you know have a nap probably midday and then slowly work my way towards game day and then once I hit warm up I'm ready to go. So no, I'd say I'm pretty relaxed. Yeah, get very horizontal during game day, which is good.
1: What about you know, post game you get a day off away from the game. What do you like to do?
2: Uh, to be honest, every time like I leave training or game, I just like I love to switch off. So I try and do everything as I can. You know, when I'm at training or playing a game, and then when I get home, I just like to kick the feet up, watch some movies, play a bit of PlayStation, just to, you know, just to really get my mind off, off footy.
1: And then also a little bit like that. If you weren't playing rugby, what would what do you think your go to sport would be?
2: Just rugby union.
1: Yeah, no um, rugby. What else? What else have you okay. got? Okay,
2: well. Rugby, rugby league would obviously be a backup for me. You know, starting started playing rugby league as a, as a kid and then growing up playing it. But um, other than that, I'd probably have to say basketball, mate.
1: Nice. Good, man. How's your jump shot?
2: Yeah. Oh, uh, it's shocking.
1: <laughs> we well, can work on that away from the game. And what about your favourite moment on the field? Where's, that, where's the time that you pulled off a play right through playing the game that you thought, you know what, that was pretty good?
2: Yeah, I'd have to say it's my sec- my second game playing for Brumbies. how I flicked past it to Tom Banks. After that, I was like, did I really just do that? Like, I don't know how I pulled that off, but I-, I managed to do it, so yeah. I'll
1: tell you what I liked then is afterwards, I remember that play. You look pretty cool as though you did it every day of the week as well. Yeah,
2: so. well, well, yeah, I wasn't really exp- – I just saw, literally saw like a glimpse of him and just hoped for the best and just pulled off straight into his chest, so he made me look good.
1: What about when the when the trainers or the coaches aren't around, you want to have a cheap day? What's a little little oh. food luxury you give yourself? What is your go-to, mate? Oh. What
2: have you got? KFC, definitely. That Kentucky Fried Chicken is unreal. Oh. But are you a
1: Zinger Burger yeah, man defensive. or a bit of original chicken or what do you got?
2: Nah, Zinger Box. You've got to go to Zinger Box with three extra three extra Wicked Wings.
1: Yeah, nice. A little bit of heat with the wings. So talk, the Zinger Box, yeah. is that got potato and gravy still?
2: Yes. So you got to, you can cool it off with that with your chips, and then if you want something spiced, you get the wicked wings and the burger. Oh, getting me hungry now during ISO. Yeah.
1: Well, the, the whole the truth of the matter is, man, I obviously know all of that. I'm a bit of a Cavs yeah. so Yeah, <laughs> just you know, I'm just trying to be a good interviewer. Yeah. Um, what about what about growing up? Obviously, playing league and union, but did you have a, a former Wallaby, a classic Wallaby that you you liked watching growing up as a kid?
2: Yeah, um, you know, especially in my position, it's definitely quite Goodpaster. I reckon just the way he had that extra X-Factor and razzle-dazzle and uh, just pulled something out of his pocket, which is always good to have. So, um, yeah, he was was probably my most exciting player to watch that play for the Wallabies when I was young.
1: Yeah, I think the great thing about Quade too is, especially I was lucky enough to play with him, that we saw all the the showtime on game day, but what wasn't always seen, and maybe sometimes now, people get to see with his social media is how hard he worked. Yeah. Yeah. The game day is the tip of the iceberg and the work, great example as well. So, mate, you couldn't have picked a better person to model your game on, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, no, he's just, uh, he's one of a kind.
1: Uh, what about in terms of, you know, we talked about mentors and guys I like watching. What's the best piece of rugby advice you've received?
2: Um, obviously, I've mentioned before previously, you know, going into my debut season, a fellow like Christian Lili helped me a lot just getting into that 10 jersey. But um, it wasn't really rugby-related. He just basically told me, you know, how, however you go this season, just always just try and be the best version of yourself. So I've been sticking to that ever since, and it's got me, it's got me here. So I'm going to try and keep doing that.
1: All right. there's a bit of a strange one to finish. Just, you know, there's, there's a huge injury problem in your team. I'm going to have to throw you in the forwards. What kind of forward do you think you'd be? How would you go? Uh, what position mate, would I'm, you be?
2: I'm probably the most unathletic person I know, so I'd have <laughs> – you won't. You won't throw me in the front row. I'll get demolished. I'm too small to be in the lock. You gotta put me six at that, six or eight, like a skillful back row. That's that's yeah, the way nice. I see it.
1: That's it, mate. A bit of showtime yeah. coming around the corner. A couple yeah. of big shots and strong over the ball, mate. That's perfect.
2: And just stand standing wider channels. It's the life.
1: Uh, Noah Lollis, there. Thanks for spending some time with us, mate. That was great.
2: Cheers, Morgan. Anytime.
0: Mate, I like that kid's energy. I've seen him interviewed on the sidelines uh, a couple of times in games and, and, and around that, and he's he's a, he really he makes me feel old. He really seems like
1: a kid, but he brings a great energy, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Actually, something just to keep between you and I, Ben, um, obviously with 10, we requested to talk to him after the game. And, you know, you do the coaches and the captains, and sometimes if you can, you try and grab a player. And obviously, we wanted to – we talked about it before the game, talking to the debutant at 10, and then – we discussed whether we still wanted to do it and and, and that was the call that we did and um, there was a little bit of hesitation in the Wallaby group like do you really want to talk to him it hasn't been a brilliant taboo and, and, and eventually the media guys there Marty's a brilliant operator they had a chat with him and he was keen to do it to, to front up and good and, man and discuss the game and yeah you know, it, it was you know live tv we're, we're crossing back and forth we've got Things going left, right, and centre with ten being a free-to-air channel, um, and mm. he just ca- came across front and up, and he he said a couple of insightful and really aware things. So I think that really bodes well. Um, I understand that the 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 almost the idea to try and protect those players in that situation, but he was keen to. He said, "You know, I'm keen to talk and and front up after that." So the little things like that is something that I'll remember. Those little interactions, and um, have had a chat to him a few times. Talented kid, great kid, hard worker the world of rugby at his feet, and I think he's got the right attitude to succeed.
0: Yeah, mate, that's that's good to see. And I tell you what, that's a nice little segue into what we wanted to just close out on talking about the broadcast uh, machinations that are going on at the moment. Uh, one of the things they're going to want to talk about and get right, you know, with, with their new broadcaster is that access and those players, you know, getting those players known, getting them out there and getting them – and so when you see a guy like Olosio, when you see a guy like Harry Wilson, who are both very keen to, to speak and to be, you know, front and centre, being new wallabies, I think that bodes really well. Now, mate, the news is, the news is it's being reported, though it's, the, it, having written these kind of stories myself before, you go, always got to be careful with the language, because the journals will leave themselves out outs if they haven't got it 100%. Now, there was a story in the Australian today that said Channel 9 will be the next broadcaster. So the headline said it, but the journal doesn't write the headline. But in the, in the story itself, there was a couple of caveats. There was a looking like, or there was a likely to, there was a little bit of an out in case they got it wrong. So it didn't look 100% like uh, they had the story, but they had it enough to go. And what I'd suggest is that the story in the Australian came from the, the Fox Sports side. If they feel that they're, they're not going to trump the nine or if they feel they're gone, then obviously uh, the Australians had a lot of lines coming out of News Limited, a lot of, you know, from the, from the senior echelons of News Limited around what's happening. Uh, they've had a lot of stories from that sort of perspective and not a lot from others. So it says to me that if the Australian's writing that, the, the inference for me is that probably Foxtel and Fox Sports feel like the rugby is gone. The news probably hasn't come out of RA or 9 yet, but it probably feels like that. And Morgz, this would be quite a seismic move, wouldn't it? This is We're talking 25 years of a broadcaster relationship.
1: Yeah, it is the most significant relationship in the history of Australian rugby and probably the greatest influence on the professional era that there's been the relationship between the ARU then and the Rugby Australia now and and Fox um and that doesn't go by the wayside if there's change. That they've been a huge contributor to the game, and I still, I still, you know, I don't know, Benny, I, will, will the great Patrick Delaney coming over the top late with a with a check last minute? Who knows? An yeah, just yeah. <laughs> something off the top rope, you know. Um, He's a big can you, can you answer me a question first? Who writes yes. the headlines?
0: The sub editors. Right, so as a journo, you you get told you got eight hundred words, or you have got a space to fill. Or conversely, you tell them I've got a great yarn, I need a thousand words. If you've got a great yeah. yarn, you can you can tell them what you got. If they're just putting you in a hole, they'll tell you what you got. You got 400, 600, 800 words. Or you go, no, listen, I've got a really good yarn, I need this. and Then you you might haggle back and forth with them. But you will write top to bottom, you know. And sometimes, you know, if you get a bit wordy, you'll file an extra 100, 200 words, and they'll have to cut it back. Or they'll decide you're only getting seven hundred, not eight hundred, and, and someone else will cut it back. So your you, your story can actually end up remarkably different to some of the stuff that you filed. And, you know, some of the push points in, in those newspapers sometimes is the fact that someone took something out that was critical or you thought was critical or you had to have in your story and the whole story changes its shape. So it can be a bit like that, but the headlines are done by the person who puts the page together, be that online or be it um, in the newspaper. They will decide what to say. And so you'll often see um, people sort of, you know, decrying what the headline says versus what was actually in the story because the headline writer can beat get the big stick out and beat it up. Um, mm. That headline was quite definitive, but the story, as I said, was, was yeah. not as definitive.
1: Well, there's been a few times that oh, I think even you, I've probably rung back in the day and gone, Benny, mate. Like, like the, <laughs> the headline's <laughs> like, Ben Kimber is a pork chop. And, you know, it's saying <laughs> saying anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like,
2: yeah. yeah, thanks, mate,
1: yeah. Like, But, you know, when you're the subject of an article, the first one said, you know, like... Stephen yeah. Hall is an idiot. He's terrible, and then in the, it, doesn't, it doesn't even mention the guy sometimes. Or it's absolutely yeah, it's, that can this, happen. This is the headline is this is a hundred percent happening, and then in the article it's well, we've heard this yeah. might happen, but we're not sure. So that, yeah. I, I think the sub editor should have his name there, maybe headline written by <laughs> something like that. Because well, as, you, a, as a journalist, <laughs> you put your name to the words. And Dead said, any sportsman that has issue with an article, most of the issues is often with the with the with the headline, not it, it representing is, what, it, it what often the article.
0: And and to be honest, like in my, I wrote I wrote for eleven years for the Herald, um, largely rugby, but some other stuff as well. But in that eleven years, I think I had one bloke come and tell me that what I that I'd misquoted them, that I didn't trust that bloke anyway. Like I quoted him, mate. I had him on microphone. It was done. I had it recorded. So he was full of it. I won't name his name, but he was quite a. It still reckon, remains a senior figure. <laughs> I
1: reckon I can guess that in one.
0: Yeah, but <laughs> well, it was quite, quite a senior figure in the Wallabies, uh, in the Wallabies uh, history uh, who, who accused me of getting it wrong when I didn't. Um, but generally, you know, I, I remember having a conversation with Al Baxter uh, in South Africa when he said, you know, you press place by And I said, Big Al, you go and you find me. Any of my stories, you find anything wrong, you bring it straight to me and I'll, I'll put a correction in. I'm still waiting to hear Al, and Big Al's still involved with the RA, so I'm still waiting to hear. But you're dead right. Often what can be construed uh, is is the headline changing a lot of stuff? But look, I'm, I, I want to make a point. I wrote about seventeen hundred words on the broadcast stuff uh, in our newsletter a, a couple of weeks ago for our subscribers. Um, and I, I've worked for Fox Sports. So, you know, to clear, I was a, you know an executive at Fox Sports. Um, I've, I, I was senior guy at Fairfax, a senior guy at Nine. I've worked with all of these guys. And the thing that excites me about going to Nine and you know, I, Fox do a fantastic job with sport. Right, you're not gonna you're not gonna be a problem with Fox. But the the opportunity. Of going to nine for me that i don't that I don't think can be underplayed is never in australian sport have we seen a paid proposition and a free to wear proposition as one owner of a sport as the single owner who can drive a product across both the free to wear outcomes and the and the paid outcomes right now you look at nrl or afl um it, afl gets massive grand final audiences nrl gets massive um state of origin audiences and grand final audiences and that's an advertisement for the game in itself but it's not uh, an active advertisement for the game. You're not in there promoting the fact that you have a paid version of your product that would give you a deeper and better experience. Your, your big Channel 7 audiences don't say, by the way, there's all these great AFL shows that you could be watching if you paid and bought the product on, on Fox. So there's a real a real split between the way those two organisations manage it. If, if rugby ends up going as the first one, and look, they, were, they were first with Pay TV back in the day, that's what Fox was built on. If they go as the first one, into a Channel 9 stand scenario where they can decide themselves how they move content across the two and how they promote content across the two, I think that's a very exciting opportunity for rugby who needs to grow and who needs to showcase themselves. So if nine does get it, I think there is a significant chance to do something different and good for Australian rugby.
1: Well, it sounds to me like you're sort of describing free previews. Free previews? Yeah. 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 The theatrical trailer or the the, the the taste of the big stuff and then pay-per-view. Well, mate, the, the
0: phrase I always use, but I never know if it's politically correct or not, or not, is I say it's putting a leg outside the tent, right? It's just it's a little leg outside the tent to show what's happening on the inside of the tent. But if if anyone's upset with that, let me know. Um, <laughs> anything to close off with, mate? I think that'll do us for the Type 5 Live Rugby Ruckus slash podcast uh, scenario we've got going on today. We will have played this out live onto Facebook. I'll be attempt to be on there and answer a few uh, comments and questions like, out, if you're around. I hope you can too. But uh, anything to close with, Morgs?
1: No, we're just looking for that bounce back. Well, I said, you know, these these performances by a Wallaby team can be aberrations as long as there's a significant bounce back straight away. And for the All Blacks, it's been great to watch them continually improve week in, week out. And it will be another excellent proposition if they can do that with the amount of changes they've made. So still some very interesting things to be seen this weekend.
0: But well, I'll be watching this one from a uh, from a, a place up the coast with a uh, with a barbecue and a glass of red wine, and hoping to see the Wallabies win.
1: Where are you going to be, Bud? I'll be at the RA headquarters uh, with a group of people watching it in the in the clubhouse there. So. Um We'll see how we very go. There. Nice. The other thing is, uh, is, is Mariella Desmer and Michael Checker got their Pumas players all out of quarantine Tuesday. Uh, so they've yeah. been training hard for a couple of weeks. They've obviously got the Australian Invitational slash A, whatever you want to call it, game on Saturday, I think, at Leichhardt Oval. So uh, we'll turn our attention to the Pumas very soon as well. We're excited to see, one, very thankful for the sacrifices they've made coming, but two, excited to see what they can put on the park.
0: Very good, mate. That was the Rugby Ruckus. We will catch you after Bledisloe 4, hoping for a different scenario than Bledisloe 3. Fingers crossed.